Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy on this Tuesday morning, Joe Masato of the Oklahoman. Joe, how are you doing? Doing well, Michael. It's August 1st. We have reached the slowest month on the NBA calendar. But you know what doesn't stop the Thunder Buddies? We don't stop. We keep going. It's August. There's nothing to talk about. So we we make things to talk about. We're going to get into our personal lives uh, later in the month. That That's incorrect. I, I will not be doing that. But Michael, if you want to share like a read, like a memoir or something, feel free to. We'll do like the the advice corner. I don't know who wants to take advice from us on anything, but other than basketball. Stuff. Sad, sad person. Well, oh, I, boy. I thought for today it would be fun to do um, a trade value list of different Thunder players or the entire roster. For those who don't know, the trade value list is something that comes from Bill Simmons that he's been doing for a while. He first did it on like page two. This is not like a ranking of guys just based on who's the most talented. We're taking into things uh, into account like age, contract length, potential injury history slash injury risk, value to their current team and more. The trade value is also about you know which teams would take these guys on an open market. Example, James Harden, I think we can agree, is an all-star level player. But not a lot of teams are really bidding on Harden or dying to bring him into their team right now. And then whereas somebody like Trevor Ariza or Contavious Caldwell-Pope um, was never traded for like a super big haul, but always guys sort of in that mold that just teams find useful and will trade for even on a lower to mid-level salary. So I don't know, just thinking about guys like that. Uh, but Joe, how are you feeling today about this? I feel good. I've got my list in front of me. I, I think you spelled it out nicely. I actually think this is probably an easier exercise for the Thunder than it would be for a lot of teams because there's very few big contracts, um, Very only a couple bad contracts. So um, you don't really have to weigh that like an aging superstar. Like Dame Lillard is a perfect example, um, you know, is just going to make. 60 million bucks when he's 30 whatever uh do not have the numbers in front of me um but i mean damian lillard is going to help your team tomorrow um he's still a great player he arguably just had the best year of his career um but you're also paying um for a guard in his mid-30s he's he's 33 now who uh is going to make a lot of money down the road so that would that would hurt his trade value ranking yeah, it's like going between 60, oh, sorry. 63 million in 2026-27. It's a big chunk of change. Yeah, it's like debating Damon Lillard and it's like you might have seven good years left of him, but it's like really high contract numbers or you can have the next 16 years of Scoot Henderson. Which one do you choose? Just those yeah. sort of hypotheticals. Correct. Correct. Well, who is in tier one for you? I had tier one as the untouchable quote unquote category. So I followed your tiers. Uh, I, I did not change the the name of the tiers that, that you sent me, but um, I assume we're going to have different players. I have I struggled with this one. First, I thought I'm going to do zero because I really don't believe in the idea of a guy who's untouchable. But then I was like, Shea is untouchable. Like I can't imagine the trade. Like the Mavericks aren't going to call the Thunder and offer like Luca for Shea straight up like that's that's not going to happen or you know whoever else like anthony edwards for shea it's like do do any of these teams want to do this it just doesn't make sense so 
Uh, I have Shay in the Untouchable tier, and I have Ch- Holmgren in the Untouchable tier because, barring uh, the th- the Thunder knowing something detrimental about his health, which would get out to other teams, uh, I don't think the Thunder is trading their number two pick of last summer uh, b- before he steps on the floor. So I'm looking at this like literally right now. If Sam Presti is on the phone, guys that are untouchable, I do not think there's a package uh, for Chet Holmgren. And even with a guy like Luca, who is more talented, I think, than Shea is what is kind of like the popular uh, idea. Trading for him, even if it was one for one, I think there are other issues that would come about that the Thunder would be like, we don't really want to do that. We're kind of happy with the guy we have right now. Like Ryan Rossillo always talks about with trades, like I'm not going to trade my solution for your problem. And there are certain guys who are very problematic or can raise more issues like Shea versus trading for Embiid. Embiid's a better player tomorrow and probably the next few years, but his health concerns and other things, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that the Thunder would trade for him one for one. Yeah, so th- there are certain offers the Thunder would trade Shea for. Yeah. So I guess he's not technically untouchable. If the if the Nuggets were like, you know, we're tired of this Jokic guy, have at it. It's like, sure, I guess. But I, I mean, we're we're beyond any bounds of uh, reason if we consider those those deals. So I had two guys: SGA Holmgren, uh, who is in your tier one, or is there a player in your tier one? I only had Shay. I only had Shay in this it, one. I should have done that. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> no, uh, we can get into defending. Do you want to hear my case for Shay in tier one first, or do you want to yeah, give let's your hear okay? Shay, um, a lot of it's just compared to other guys in his contract range. Uh, rounded up, he's going to get thirty three point four million twenty three twenty four thirty five point nine and twenty four twenty five thirty eight point three and twenty five twenty six and forty point eight and twenty six twenty seven. The average uh, annual income of this deal is $35.86 million, five years, 179 Shea will not even be in the top 30 of annual salaries next year. Yeah. I mean, it's just a timing thing, though, yeah. right? Like, um, he, he signed as much as he could have signed for a rookie max extension. What would that have been two summers ago? Mm-hmm. I, I guess last year was the first year where it kicked in. Uh, he'll be on year two of that max extension. So, um. He's in line for just a massive, massive payday uh, in, in a few years now. What once you know the the salary cap is going to continue to jump. This new TV deal. I mean, we're talking about um, guys making close to a hundred million dollars a year. So, uh, like I said, Lillard is already going to be at sixty three, and that's under the old CBA. So uh, it's going to continue to jump up. But for right now, yeah, he's like. Just because of timing, he is a tremendous value. And that's something you can't underrate. I mean, a lot of the Warriors and what they did came through the fact that Steph Curry was underpaid by the market mm-hmm. for quite a few years. And Shea, he signed for the max amount of money they could, like you mentioned. But just looking at like the landscape of things, he's currently sits at 34th overall an annual salary going to next year behind guys like Michael Porter Jr., Gordon Hayward, CJ McCollum, DeAndre Ayton, Kristaps Porzingis, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, and Tobias Harris. Yeah, and like Shea also signs his max extension without a player option. So like he is under contract through 2026, 2027. So this year and two more after that. So he would be 
eligible for an extension in the summer of 2026. Uh, so three years from now, um, if I'm doing my math right. So, so yeah, I mean, this is a, when you've got a, when you've got a young star and you get them on their rookie extension, um, you know, controllable players right before their prime. I mean, that's, that's the sweet spot right there. Absolutely. And he's just going, I mean, obviously it's a bargain deal as far as like $38 million a year can go. But just in the long scheme of things, you know, he's going to make $33.4 million this year. In the upcoming season, Bradley Beal is going to make 13 more uh, than him. Clay's going to make $10 million more. Gobert, $8 million more. Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young, and Zach Levine will each make $7 million more than Shea next year. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how the model works. Um, but it, it is pretty crazy. I mean, this is a Thunder team with a lot of talent. And the second highest paid player, who we'll get to later, is Davis Burton. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all about timing. And then the last thing, just on the finances, I just thought this was ridiculous. Jalen Brown, um, five years, three hundred and four million, roughly sixty point eight million annually on average, which is twenty four point nine four more than Shea will make on average annually in his contract. At sixty point eight million on that price tag for Jalen Brown, he's on track to make uh, on average in that new contract salary. More than Shea, Chet, Giddy, J Dub, J Will, Kaysen, Isaiah Joe, and Aaron Wiggins combined make next season. Yeah, no, it is crazy. But this this is just the new reality yeah. of it. I mean, when Shea signs what Jalen Brown just signed, I mean he's he's gonna make a lot more than Jalen Brown is. Uh Jalen Brown's status as the highest paid player in the league is not going to last long. I mean, uh, all of these contracts are going to come to fruition, but yeah, when you've got, you know, J Dub performing like he did, it's like, well, obviously he's on his rookie contract. So um that's that's an important thing to keep in mind. I mean, the Thunder are preparing for a future, a future that would be the best case scenario, but a very expensive best case scenario, in which Shea is going to sign, you would hope, another extension, then Giddy, J Dub, Chet. I mean, who knows if Usman Jang really popped or Kaysen Wallace. I, I mean, this is a team that could become extremely expensive um, down the road. And under the new CBA, you you would be able to hang on to all those guys. Um, and I, I think Sam Presti in the front office have, have positioned themselves well to, to potentially pay for this. But it all comes down to the owners at that point. So uh, a long time before we get to that. But. Um, it is certainly looming on the horizon. Yeah, and ownership has showed before that they are willing to pay with some of those Paul George rest teams. And this is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, it's expensive, but it's worth this is one of the situations where it's worth paying for, hopefully. Yeah, I mean it definitely is, but and and I think they are, you know, everyone's got their limit though. Mm-hmm. Um Steve Ballmer has his limit, and Steve Ballmer probably has a net worth more than the Thunders six uh or seven primary owners combined so um yeah same with mad ishbia and 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 phoenix i mean the the thunder doesn't have just the wealth of their ownership group doesn't compare to some of those teams uh especially in larger markets but anyway uh there's enough time to talk about that later tell me more about chet holmgren and tier one for you yeah so chet and tier one 
Um, like I said, the main the main point really is okay. Maybe I, I'm coming up with a new way to rationalize this. He is untouchable because the Thunder would not trade him. You're not trading your number two pick before he even plays. Like I said, unless there's injury stuff we don't know about. But then, you know, the other teams are going to see his medicals. They're not going to trade for him either. So I, I don't see any scenario. Maybe you can think of one. I'm all ears. In which the Thunder would get offered something for Chet Holmgren that they would accept. I mean, or that the other team would even offer. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just what would the other team even offer? Like, you could throw hypotheticals out there that would never happen if it's like, well, San Antonio goes, you know what? We don't like this French guy. We that, want, that, we want that, an American one. player. <laughs> yeah, or, no, that's that's one. Because also you have to keep in mind, uh, he's not getting paid a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, he is by young player standards, but he's still on his rookie contract entering year two. Um, so it's it's like you can't you can't say like Giannis or 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 somebody who's making forty or fifty million a year. Um, but yeah, Wimbenyama, th- there it is. If uh, if the Spurs were like, yeah, we kind of think uh, Holmgren's better, and then the Thunder's like, oh, we actually like Wimbenyama better. Deal, deal, and then they swap spots. I think that. Uh, I think the world has a better chance of ending later this afternoon than that happening although that's a that's a stupid thing to say because if the world ends then it can't happen anyway um this this kind of reminds me of like the chet Holmgren. i was just thinking that yeah if you erase my memory i wouldn't have known i i hurt my foot um man this guy's in my head now anyway Holmgren, you could easily convince me he's in tier two in fact he probably should be in tier two but um i'm glad we had this weird argument that I've presented of why he should be in tier one. Yeah, I mean, Victor Wembanyama is the obvious one. The other one may be Evan Mobley if they just really like him a lot more for whatever reason. But any other guy, I just can't really imagine because the Thunder, like if you said Paolo, it's like I, I just I still think the Thunder would rather just see what they have with Chet. I, I think both teams would say no yeah. to that. Um. Although I I would think long and hard about that one and Evan Mobley, but I I don't see any scenario in which either of those two teams would say something because like it would never happen. Like other teams would be too like, why are they shopping Chet Holmgren or like why would they do this? And then when you ask yourself why would they do this, then the other team would say, why why are we doing this? Why are we even talking to them about this? So um, untouchable might not be the right word, but like untradeable. He is tradable, um, but but not in anything that would be realistic or or fair. Or it's it's almost like being like priceless. Like it's I don't know how to value him on an open market if he were to be traded. If as a guy who's a number two pick who just missed a year with an injury, but everybody is still really high on him. Yeah. Well, in my tier two, I guess I took the cop out. I put all three. I put Chet, Giddy, J Dub. Uh, in the tier two, which is, I said, quote, you would have to blow my socks off for me to even consider the idea of moving them. Yeah, I have I have J-Dub and Giddy here, so we're pretty much in lockstep, um, having discussed Holmgren already. Yeah, like, 
I, I would struggle to move. I would be as reluctant to trade J Dub as I as I would Chet. It's just like the the unknown of of Chet. It's like it's like a draft pick is more valuable before you make the pick than after a player's name is attached to that pick. It's like that's how I'm viewing Chet. It's like he's almost more valuable before anyone can see. Okay, maybe there's a flaw in his game or or whatever. Like the idea of him is so valuable at this point. And J-Dub did everything he could have to impress on the court. Um, but at the same time, I think as a more known quantity, there's less of a allure. But yeah, the, these uh, these guys aren't getting traded either. There's just a higher track record of success for guys in sort of J-Dub's position and just how he's molded as a player. But the way you were talking, it reminded me of a family guy bit that you've probably seen. It's the one where... They walk into an office and they go, you can have a boat or you can have whatever's in this mystery box. They're like, wow. Yeah. And Peter Griffin goes, there could be anything in this mystery box. It could be a boat. Like, could you imagine that? It's like, just take the boat then. It's like, yeah, but the mystery box, it's like, that's what Chet is with some of this stuff. It's just like, he could be anything though. Yeah. I I, I mean, that's, that's exactly uh, what it is. It's a perfect analogy. So uh, that's kind of why I put him in tier one, but yeah, tier two, tier two is like, there's a night tier one. If tier one is, there's 0.0% chance. I, I approach tier two, like there's like 0.4% chance these guys are getting traded and it's probably less than that. Probably less than that. I think the Thunder want to ride it out and just see what they have in these guys. It is interesting with guys like Giddy. J-Dub and Chet where I think that a lot of younger teams who are rebuilding would love to have any one of those guys as sort of their centerpiece so the Thunder in an extremely good position and hypothetically knock on wood if they ever do need to pivot out of something I think you could get a big return for each and one of those guys as long as they're healthy yeah just to put this into perspective the Thunder is uh, probably not rebuilding is not the right word, but they're still in the early stages of their development. They have positioned, posi- positioned, goodness gracious, themselves perfectly um, for this with all of these young players sort of aligned and similar age ranges and everything like that. So it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like if J-Dub was on, it, well, this is not even a good example because he's already a contributor, but like, it would make more sense if he was on the Suns or the Bucks or whatever and like has to be included in like a Durant type trade or something like that. But the Thunder would have no interest in making that kind of trade for, you know, an aging superstar. They're not going to trade J Dub or Giddy in a package to Portland for Damian Lillard. It makes zero sense. Um so the only way to trade those guys would be a challenge trade. In which one young upstart team trades a core piece to another team's to another young upstart team uh, for one of their core pieces. For example, Michael, what if the Blazers picked up the phone and said, "Hey, we'll give you Scoot Henderson for Jalen Williams"? No, based on what we know right now. But I don't think the Blazers would do that either. No, neither team would. I think both because they see themselves as having a franchise guard 
the Thunder already have a couple of those guys and they need another wing. And I think J-Dub, also just him being older, you'd rather have him in Oklahoma City than Portland just in a vacuum. Yeah, so, same, same with Orlando. I mean, you mentioned Paolo, so I'll mention Paolo. J-Dub for Paolo, neither team says yes to yeah. that. I so, mean, the only one I can think about, maybe like the Nets with Bridges, if they just wanted to go, like, I know they don't have access to all their picks, but I would they say still have no. a lot. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying I would do that. I'm just thinking of that's one that actually feels like wouldn't be an instant no as much as like the Magic and all these other teams where it's or it's like J-Dub for Cade, right? It's like neither team would do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to imagine even like a, a reasonable scenario like for example, if the Thunder didn't have Chet Holmgren, so uh, this is completely unreasonable because it's fantasy land. Um, but the Thunder were definitely interested uh, in trading up for Evan Mobley in that uh, 2020, 2021 draft. Yes. I'm, I'm so bad with years. The Josh Giddy draft. Um so like J Dub for Mobley, it's like okay, like I, still you're at a point where it's like Cleveland, okay, like we we could really use a wing, like that's that's where we're in the most need. Um, we've got Jared Allen, so like we still have a big down there, and the Thunder's like, uh, well, we we don't have Chet Holmgren, even though we have Chet Holmgren, so we could really use Evan Mobley, and he it makes more sense positionally, so. You can kind of talk yourself into that, um, but I, but I, uh, I don't. I hate everything I'm saying. It makes no sense. So, anyway, tier two, J Dub, Giddy, you have Chet, and then you I just like you just get into weird logistics that fans would be upset about. Where it's like we're going to trade the number two pick who was drafted a year earlier than, or the number three pick who was drafted a year earlier than Sky for a guy who went like thirteen. Yeah, I think yeah. fans would definitely freak out about that. But let's get to. Tier three, too young slash too much potential to move on from them right now. Who do you have in tier three? How many players do you have in tier three? <laughs> I had three and a half. I I guess okay. three and this a question interesting. mark. I have two. Um, I'll, I guess I'll go first. I have Usman Jang. Are we? Uh, do we agree? Yes. There? Yes, okay. we do. One for one. <laughs> I have Kaysen Wallace. Two for two. Yep. All right. Now you go. So this is I made these tiers and even I had trouble with because <laughs> I was like, where do I where do I put Michic? Because like I just he's it's too early to give up on him. And I think there's some potential there, but he's obviously not as young as these guys. He's like 11 Re- years old. Read your tears. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, it says it says too young slash too much potential. Mitch is going to be 30. Age is nothing but a number. <laughs> no, I like I said, I struggled with it and I made the own t- my own tears for this. But yeah, Kaysen and Jang are the most obvious ones there. And I agree with you on that of just like, how can you possibly give up on these guys this early? And Jang obviously drafted in the same year as um, Chet and J-Dub and it's like well why are they higher it's, well I think there's just a higher pedigree with those guys and more proven from J-Dub on the floor but 
yeah, I think it would be those guys like in a trade would obviously be more likely to get moved than the guys higher up in the tier. But at the same time, I don't think the Thunder are any hurry to move two guys they just picked in the lottery in back-to-back years. I, I keep repeating myself, but okay, the Thunder, you know, calls somebody, asks about their young player, and the Thunder says, yeah, we, we might be willing to include Jang or Kaysen Wallace. Major red flag right there. If I'm the other team, I'm like, ah, you know, uh, enjoy your summer. You know, have a nice day. Because the Thunder, who prides itself on development, who is as competent and as smart as any franchise in the NBA, if they're ready to move on from a guy that, you know, played 30-something games last year and is like a... Everyone knew he was going to be a long-term project in Usman Jang. Or if they're ready to move on from a guy they just drafted before he even plays, um, that's a that's a red flag. So that's why that's why these guys are kind of in this in this tier. I'm trying to think of other guys other than like Oshai Baji, but that's weird because it was in the Donovan Mitchell trade. So that's kind of an exception. I can't think of many other guys who were drafted by a team and then traded later on before they never played a game for him not counting guys who it's like a draft day trade that needed to wait to go through like case in the first time. So guys that were drafted. So not a draft night trade, but traded before they played a game. Yes. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins yeah. is the only one I can think of. So that never happened. So yeah, case. And it's like one, some would say that was a very, uh, special scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, um both involving cleveland yeah yeah i can't think of another one so yeah that's something that's probably just not going to happen and then jang a guy who they just invested three firsts into and then looked really good um or he looked a lot better and much more improved in summer league can't imagine they move a guy like that and he just turned 20 like he's younger than a lot of guys who were just drafted so He's younger yeah, than Thompson in, Twins. Yeah, played in 39 games last year, so 15 minutes per game. If if you're ready to make a decision after that, then uh, it's a major yikes. Tier four, he's worth more to us than he is to you. Wait, 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 wait. You said three and a half. Um, I meant two and a half. Okay. Okay. Maybe you counted Michich as one and a half since he's a little older. Exactly. That's what I did. I'm accounting for not him being 30, but him being 19 <laughs> or 19 and 10. Two separate <laughs> timelines. But oh, boy, he's worth more to us than he is to you. Do you want to start us off on this one? Yeah, I've got two guys in this tier. Yep. I've got Kenrich Williams and Lou Dort. Same here. What's the case for Kenrich? Kenrich. The pulse of the team, as Mark Dagnall has described him, just the leader in the locker room, um, a veteran presence, um, even though, you know, it's not like he uh, has been in the league since he was 20 years old or, or something like that, a late bloomer in every regard from high school to, to college to, to the NBA, but just like the ultimate gritty guy who... Uh, doesn't have the most talent, um, but has become one of the most 
reliable, valuable guys on this team because of kind of what he represents. And that's exactly what I meant with he's worth more to us than he is to you. I think that the just him being in the locker room and being a culture guy and just setting the tone and things like that. You look at his contract and his production and certain teams would offer packages for him and the Thunder would just say no, because even if they're getting maybe a more talented player back, I think just all these other things behind the scenes and just what he means to the roster and the coaching staff and these guys outweighs a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dort, kind of the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like he is, he's, he like sets the bar for them defensively. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in, in the league. And he is, he's almost like a model player for his teammates to look to. And like, man, this guy never stops, uh, on defense and sure there are plenty of things to quibble about with him on the offensive end, shot selection, three point shooting, finishing at the rim. Um, but the fan base, I think as a whole, I mean, Dort is, is wildly popular. I know, but like some people get down on Dort, but then every time you talk to the thunder about Dort or Mark, Mark Degnall, I mean, they just gush about him and like he is, he's their guy. So, um, sure there, there's, there's a way he could be traded, but I think he is worth more to the Thunder because he he's kind of aligned with kind of the Thunder and what it wants to stand for and, you know, not to get all mushy, gushy, whatever. But um, it's kind of like Marcus Smart. Now, Marcus Smart was just traded, um, but, you know, Marcus Smart was like the that guy for the Celtics and, and a better player. Um, could do more offensively, but um, kind of the face of the Celtics, even though he wasn't the best player on the team, Dort's not quite that, but I, I think Dort is, you know, longest tenured guy on the team or, or just about, um, you know, was there in the bubble, had that breakout uh, series against the Rockets. So um, kind of fits like the Marcus Smart-esque guy of like this, this bulldog where, you know, you see Lou Dort, you think of the Thunder. He's also the poster boy for what the Thunder want to do as development through the G League and with yeah. the blue. I mean, if you're making your top four guys who like the G League to the NBA, just off the top of my head, it'd be like Dort, Caruso, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Yeah, I... uh that would be a good list to look at. But yeah, Dort, undrafted free agent, signs a two-way deal, and you know, is is promoted to a to a standard contract. So um he, he kind of was the laid the foundation for, you know, other guys, you know, like an Aaron Wiggins or a Lindy Waters to sort of come up through the blue. Um I mean, Wiggins was drafted, but but still sign a sign a standard contract after initially joining the team on a two way deal. That's something Keontae Johnson can look at um, as an example of like, hey, this is like a realistic possibility. It's not just a pipe dream. Um, so yeah, Lou, Lou Dort is. If the G League was doing like advertising or like, hey, this is why this is a viable league, like he would definitely be um, an example to look at, Lou Dort. Absolutely. And then Kenrich Williams, just for him, 
four years left on his contract with the fourth year being a team option for 7.6 million but his average annual salary contract for the contract is 6.79 million just some guys will make money in that six to seven million dollar range are guys like ricky rubio javon carter Otto porter jr denny avdia cameron payne patty mills has been salary dumped twice already this summer jay sean tate danilo gallinari and killian hayes yeah that's that's quite a list michael that's, that's good value if you're getting Kendrick Williams for the same money that a lot of these other teams are getting those types of guys. Yeah. And you know what? Guys from Waco, Texas played at TCU not far down the road. He's like it's like the big brother of this team. I, I was going to say the dad, but that uh that's that's a little too far, but um he's got like a family and you know, these other guys are like you know, just young kids and stuff like that. And there, there's just like a maturity uh, about Kenrich Williams. Like I, I enjoy talking to the guy cause it's like, yeah, you know, there's some, there's some similarities here where, where it's like, uh, you know, Josh comes in wearing whatever and, you know, Shay's a young guy and it's like ugh, different lives. These guys live different lives, but I might run into Kenrich Williams walking his dog at Lake Hefner and be like, Hey, Hey Kenrich. Um, so, so I appreciate, I appreciate that every man quality about him. Kenrich is definitely the guy you would see at the grocery store. I think the other guys probably have somebody who gets all uh, all the food for (laughs) him. And Kenrich is like, why would I do that? (laughs) Oh yeah. Rocking that, rocking that Texas shag. He's hilarious. Yeah. You're telling me you can't relate to a Trey man making TikToks or Poku and his fanny pack fun. Yeah, I'm not uh I'm just not as good online as those guys. I, I don't sort of speak that same language. So I'm glad a guy like Kenrich is around. And then you mentioned the thing reminded me of a, a quote with uh the Cavs a few years ago or quite a while ago, I guess, whenever a reporter asked Kyrie Irving about LeBron as a father figure and he was talking about him as a dad oh, yeah. and he goes, You mean a father figure for me? He's like, yeah. He goes, I already have a dad. LeBron's only like seven years older than me. What are you yeah, talking that a, about? That was extremely, extremely awkward. So, uh, but I shall not be asking anyone, anyone, anything close to that. Good to know. Lou Dort, four years left on his deal. Last year's a team option, 26, 27. His annual salary is roughly 16.5 million. The most he will make is 17.7. Guys in that range who are making that going into next year are. Guys like Jonathan Isaac, Colin Sexton, D'Angelo Russell, Marcus Morris, Davis Bertans, who was salary dumped uh, to the Thunder so they could move up to go get Casey Wallace, Yusuf Nurkic, Kevin Porter Jr., Rui Hachimura, and Karis Levert. Would you take any of those guys in a vacuum over Dort, given the similar salary? Uh, No, and this is a good time to... We don't always have to have strong takes immediately after something happens. Mm-hmm. So just a year ago, when Dort signs this contract, it's like, oh man, it's like that's people are kind of squirming in their seat. That's a lot of money for Lou Dort. Um, well, it turns out it, it's really not, and it's definitely not once you see some of these new contracts come out. So, um, yeah, fifteen point three million this year. It's sixteen point five. I mean, at the end of this, twenty six, twenty seven, he, he's going to make seventeen point seven for one of the best defensive players in the league. That's going to look like a bargain. And last year we were talking about it like, ugh, 
that's that that might be too much. So um, things change fast. Tier five open to offers, but not just searching for trade partners for them. How many guys do you have in tier five? I've got your guy Vasily Micic. I have Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joe, and Jalen Williams of Fort Smith, Arkansas. Um, I probably should have had the same ones. I had those three for sure, and I didn't have Micic. Like I mentioned, I made these tiers, and even though I was like, I don't know where to put this guy. No. Listen, I have unintentionally become not a Micic skeptic, but I, I'm just like, I'm always in the position where it's like, I'm just going to just going to reserve my thoughts until, you know, I see the guy out there. That's why I have Holmgren in tier one, because I'm a big hypocritical dummy. But anyway, <laughs> I have Micic down in, in, in tier five um, because he's an odd fit given his age on this team and an established player, an established star in Europe who's now coming to this young, exciting team in the NBA. I have no idea how he's going to fit in on the roster, much less fit in compared to NBA talent. I think there are are question marks defensively. I think he's going to be quite good offensively. I, I think he's probably going to play big minutes off the bench. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't really justify putting him higher than this. He's also coming to a new country. I don't know what's the longest he's been in America for, but this could be very interesting. We need to get some type of a one-on-one interview between you and Michich at like Cattleman Steakhouse where you it's like, this is what it's about. Well, I'll tell you what, he spent a lot of time in Las Vegas and uh, Salt Lake City for, for Summer League because he was with the Thunder throughout that. Um, to your question, I have no idea, but he does he does have a fellow countryman in Poku on the roster, so maybe Poku will will, sh- will show Vasily all the best um, fanny pack shops around town. Well, let's go through some of those Tier 5 guys. Isaiah Joe, I think his shooting is super, super important for this team. But like the category says, I think the Thunder would be open to offers on him, but they're not necessarily pursuing anything. Yeah, you're not trying to move off of Isaiah Joe, but three-point shooting is super valuable. And if a team sends you what you might consider kind of like an overpay, then yeah, you think about it. Aaron Wiggins, (coughs) excuse me, Aaron Wiggins is such a solid player. I. I love Aaron Wiggins, but at the same time, you know, he, he's not going to change the trajectory of your franchise. And if you if you get that call, you're listening. Jay will. Great story. Great smile, as Barry would remind you. But, you know, he's a he's a center in 2023, so he's replaceable, although his charges drawn are, are not replaceable. Um yeah, and Michic, like, I can't really compare him to the rest of these guys, but, you know, we, ju- we, we just talked about him. But Wiggins, Joe, J. Will, all solid players, all guys who are going to be in the rotation, um, maybe in and out, depending on the night. But, um, yeah, I, I would not be looking to move off these guys. But at the same time, I'm not convinced 
any of them will be on the Thunder in three years or insert whatever future date you want to. Specifically with Joe and Wiggins, those are the guys I was talking about, like KCP and Trevor Ariza, where you're not going to get a big haul for them. But I correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like they could fit on almost any team in the NBA. Yeah, I could see Aaron Wiggins being like, I mean, no one's going to move teams as much as like Jeff Green did, but it's like never stayed in a place long after, you know, Oklahoma City and Boston, but then just helped every single team he played on. I, I think Aaron Wiggins would help teams i think isaiah joe is a three-point shooter um could help teams so those guys are going to have a place in the nba they're just below that level where you get long-term security or you can stay in one place for a long time um but you can stay in the league a long time you just might end up moving around a lot maybe these guys love to travel maybe it's one of those things maybe so that that maybe, was Jeff Green's whole so. thing. No one actually knew. He was like, I just want to live in as many American cities as possible. Also, you have to 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 do that, you have to be a professional. Um to mention the uh a, a Jeff Green like player who also just won an NBA title, Ish Smith, not as impactful of a player as Jeff Green, but everyone loves Ish Smith. Everyone raves about him. Great locker room guy. So one, you you got to be a solid player, but you also have to be a solid pro that you know teams are that willing to bring you in. I, I mean, just because they've played on all these teams, you might look into it saying like, ah, no one really wants to keep them around. Well, the flip side of that is everyone wants them once they're available. So, um, and they want to, you know, be getting jobs and on, on various teams. Um, if the intel was like, yeah, not a guy you really want to have around. So, um, and I say that because. Aaron Wiggins, especially for his age, just a total pro. Isaiah Joe is, is is the same way. Like those guys would be an addition on and off the court. I think. I mean, you can see it pretty fast with a lot of these teams where they bring a guy in and they immediately go, "Go home. Do not step foot in this building" because they don't yeah. want them to be around this team. Whereas guys like Ish Smith, Jeff Green, Vince Carter, when he was with the Hawks and the Kings, just like solid veterans to have around, but. That leads us to our next tier, which is tier six, bad money vets for later salary slash uh, later salary dump slash trades. I have two guys in this category. And those two guys are Davis Bertans and Victor Oladipo, are they not? Yes, they are. I think Oladipo falls more into that category that we were mentioning earlier of just like a veteran in the locker room. But I don't think there's a the high chance that he stays around unless just... There's some consolidation trade coming where the Thunder move off a bunch of guys late uh, or like on the back end of the roster and then keep him for that trade. Yeah, if this was a couple of years ago, sure, because the roster wasn't as deep in young talent. Um, And if you want a sort of an adult in the room, Oladipo's been here before, you can justify that now. um, Given the given just the wealth of young guys on this team, I really want, wouldn't want to move on from somebody sooner than I would have to just to keep a Victor Oladipo on the roster. I also think his um, his contract is is going to be easily moved. And if not, then maybe you just eat that and, and, and move on, kind of wash your hands of it. Berton's a little different um, because he does have 
a year left after this one, although we've talked about that 75 playing in 75% of the games kicker to where um, he's a, is it four and a half million for, for the year after this one? I think it's five, um, five. I keep getting that wrong. Why do I keep saying four and a half? Um, so five million, seventeen this year. I, I think he is a guy that could be traded at the deadline, could be included in some offseason deal next year, could be traded before the season starts. So um I'm pretty confident that Bertons will be traded at some point, but I don't know when it will be. And I think that would be a really appealing salary for a team if they're just trying to get off money or if they're just trying to match salaries because it is so cost controlled if the Thunder sit him for most of the year and then you trade him at the deadline i think 75 percent of 82 is like 60 ish games around there i don't anticipate he'll play 60 games before the deadline i don't think that's even possible but i think you could flip him to a team because he still has the 17 million dollar cap hold but then if obviously he doesn't meet the requirements of 75 percent of the games it'll fall to five in that following season which i think would be attractive for certain teams who are like i don't know and um having a fire sale sort of situation, which I think we might find a team like that later in the year as uh, the season kind of shakes out. I feel like there's a team like that every season. Yeah. And the Thunder's so creative when it comes to trades like this, that um, they'll figure something out that we don't even see coming. Um, as for playing in 75% of the games, he's got, he's got a slightly better chance to play in more than that than you and I do, but, but not much, not not much more than that. I appreciate that. I we once again will send our uh, our mixtapes into Presty. It's like we're just available, not for a ten day, but like a two day. Get get shut down with ankle soreness or something if uh, you've played in seventy four percent of the games. We missed our window if the team was actually just trying to just have guys out there like the Georges Kalistakis days and things like that. I think we would have the- thrived. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get in trouble, so let's move on. Go ahead. All right. Tier 7, available to a good home slash help us solve our roster crunch before the season without buying out more guys. There are a lot of guys in this category. Who are they for you? Um, Jack White, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Poku, Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba. Uh, I did not include two ways, but I mean, Keontae Johnson's not going to yeah. be part of the roster crunch, so I did not include him here. Yeah, I had the same ones. The ones I had issues with were Trey and Poku, just because they have shown a little bit of something here, and they're just they're hard to give up on, is the way I would put it, because we've seen those flashes. Yeah, I uh, I would not want to. I I don't think there's any reason, especially Trey, because Trey has a year after. This one, he's entering year three. Poku is going to be a re- restricted free agent. So, um, but I think there's still something there that you would want to at least find out with both of those players, learn a little more, get some more info. Um, with Jerry, I would put him a level below that. Um, I think. I don't know. I, I, I like JRE, but I, I just don't kind of see the the path for him making the roster, uh, barring some changes. The whole Jack White situation is a little perplexing to me, but 
Um, turns out that this two-year deal, second year, is is not guaranteed. I think it's a six hundred thousand guarantee, um, as our buddy Andrew Schlecht has reported for for year one. So maybe that's just to get him into camp. He gets cut. He joins the blue. Um, Tai Tai Washington, Usman Garuba. Just because the Thunder has seen Trey Mann and Poku kind of in its system, I would be higher on those guys than Tai Tai and Garuba. But that's mainly because I know more about Trey Mann and, and Poku and what they're capable of than than those other guys. But um, yeah, this is kind of a this is our largest tier. Yeah, and I think I saw this from another friend of the program, John Ham, that he mentioned this that because he's getting paid so much guaranteed that he wouldn't be eligible for a two-way and that's Jack White. So I don't know how that would work exactly if he can just go straight to the blue and it'll just never be a two-way. But I thought that was pretty interesting. And then, yeah, JRE, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be back. Like we mentioned before, he's had like good stretches before. We both like him as a player. And maybe the Thunder have just want to see what he looks like in a healthy season because Last season, he had kind of a season from hell with that ankle injury that just was like, just took him out for most of the season. And I think they would like to see, get a look at a healthy version of him next to Chet or whoever's out there. Yeah, I I think it really hurt his mentality as well. He just did not look as comfortable, as confident once he came back from that. Um, you know, there would just be some nights where he'd miss a few bunnies around the rim and it's like, what's what's going on here? It's like, I... I think I compared it to the yips at one point, but because he he just didn't look right. And we kind of saw that when he came back briefly in summer league. So uh, I, I think it would um, his chance for, for making it would be putting all that in your rear view mirror, coming into training camp healthy and kind of looking like a looking like a new guy who, who puts last season and all that came with it behind him. You mentioned putting it in the rearview mirror. To me, one of the issues, it just felt like he was looking back over his shoulder at the bench on yeah. some of those things. Like, there's no question about it. Jay Will kind of like took his minutes and his spot in the rotation, ends up starting, but just like as the backup four slash five. And I think that does add some extra pressure for a guy like that who's like, I'm already a second round pick. Eh, pick. I need to play a lot better. Yeah. I've been injured and then just kind of pressing at the wrong times. Yeah, and Jay Will becomes this cool story. You know, he's taking charges right and left. He's like super vocal. Uh, although Jerry is vocal as well. But yeah, it's like you never want to lose your job because of injury. But I think Jay Will came in and showed more than Jerry has has even shown. And and this was after his rookie season. I, I thought he was going to be a starter on, on this team, and that just never quite happened. So um, maybe this turns out to be a blip in his career. Um, but it, but at this point, I, I think Jay will is clearly ahead of him. And if it comes down to wanting to keep an extra big on the roster, it could come down between Garuba and JRE. And yeah, I'm not sure how that would go. What's your, what are your thoughts on Usman Garuba and Tai Tai Washington, the two Rockets guys? Uh, I think I'm more interested in Garuba just given the defensive upside. And the size, Tai Tai. I I I honestly don't know enough about Tai Tai other than watching him a few games last season and uh, kind of often glancing at his basketball reference page. But um, 
given the glut of guards uh, on this uh, on this team, I don't I don't really see the the path for Tai Tai, but he's got the pedigree of a recent first round pick, as does Garuba. But I think I'm just naturally lower on those guys because, you know, they were throw-ins multiple times. So I don't think there's a lot of, I don't think they're seen super highly league-wide. Yeah, I think Garuba's interesting. I think Tai Tai is another one of the smaller guards that we've talked about who's, I like things in his game. I've watched some tape of him, but he's just super inefficient, just trying to find his spots. Um, And then um, Garuba, let me know what you think about this take. He's not as good of a shooter as him, but I think defensively he has a much higher ceiling as a guy as like uh, Eugene. I think they could use him similar, uh, similarly. Hey, I've made not with you, but I've made the same uh, comparison. Really? He's like a yeah. He's like a big bodied, really strong guy that doesn't have a ton of height. I, I mean, he's taller than Eugene. He's six eight, but six eight two twenty, uh, chiseled. So, I think he has a seven two wingspan also. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I like oh, him. Oh, also he's from he's from Spain and the Thunder has uh so many different countries represented, so might as well uh keep Garuba around too. United Nations Thunder Worldwide. Yeah, exactly. Well, um a couple more questions before you get out of here. Which player slash players did you have the toughest time putting into a tier category? Well, Chet Holmgren is uh, definitely the the guy I struggled with the most. Beyond that, I mean, I I think just from our our lists are not identical but very similar. So I think that tells you that there's not a lot of like it's pretty clear. Like it, it's not super hard to slot these guys into these uh, made up tiers that that you created. But I I, I very much enjoy your tiers. Um. Yeah, Holmgren was really the only one. I'm looking at my list, and that like Dort, I kind of struggled with, um, because you know I put guys ahead of him in Jang and Wallace that might not ever become better NBA players than Dort. Um, but just in terms of trade value, I think that yeah, in terms of trade value, in terms of youth and upside. Um, and then tier four, the way we kind of labeled it is meaning more to the Thunder than maybe another team. I think Dort fits that, but yeah, I, I would say you struggled with Michich. I'm not, I'm not uh, no. saying you had him in the wrong spot, but you said, I don't know. You, I, I almost just up with half numbers. I almost just need just a Serbian tier. <laughs> just, Cause yeah. like, I don't with Poku and Michich, it's like, I, I just don't, I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. But I don't it, think Micic is going to play for Serbia. I don't think he um, is either. Uh, and then Poku was just ruled, ruled out, right? Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. I was yeah. really looking forward to seeing Micic. Unfortunate. Well, there will be some other guys in the World Cup who will be playing. We'll get Jack White. We'll get Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Shea Gildas Alexander. Who else is playing? Is Garuba playing for Spain? Uh, That's a good question. I... I don't know. Uh, I do not think Jang is going to make the French team. And, you know, J-Dub and, and Chet are going to be reporting for training camp with the select team. So I um, think it's unlikely either 
actually plays in the World Cup, but it would be cool if even one of them made the trip and was kind of there as an alternate to get that experience. Well, hopefully that happens. Um, that'll be prime off-season talk. But Joe, thanks for coming on with me. Do you have anything else to plug before we get out of here? Uh, shout out to Davis Bertans, who I, I, I think Latvia is in the World Cup, um, and I assume he will be playing. Uh, I don't have a ton of knowledge about other Latvian basketball players. Um, but Porzingis? Now, now I feel like an idiot. I should have just <laughs> shut my mouth and told you what I had to plug. Porzingis is the obvious answer. Go ahead. Jeez. <laughs> um, just credibility in the in the toilet. Uh, what do I have to plug? Well, not much now. Uh, I'm working on an, uh, another mailbag that I am going to publish today. Um, working on a Michich story that I think I've mentioned, but just trying to make a couple more phone calls on that one. Uh, and yeah, August is pretty slow, man. So uh, I don't have a I don't have a ton going on. And that is what our job is to do, is to find things to talk about that other people... We're going to... No stone left unturned. I can't believe this Latvian thing. <laughs> I'm, clicking on, I'm clicking on Latvia. And, uh, is there one more player that we're not thinking so there's, of? There's seven total. Okay. Uh, Dyrus Bertans. Okay. He played in 2019. I, I'm assuming he's a brother of yeah. Davis Bertans. Yes, he is a brother of Davis Bertans. Andres, oh, Andres Bedrins, I remember him. Okay, uh, played from 2005 to 2014. Rodion's Kuruks, I think he played for the Nets, 2019, 2011. Uh, I think that's now I'm trying right. to now I'm trying to act like an expert on Latvian basketball. And um, Anjus Pashenics, Gundars Vetra, Gundars Vetra played in 13 games in 1993, the year of my birth. I need to I need to get a Gundars Vetra jersey. These could just be made up names, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm putting a lot of faith in a basketball reference. Uh, Gundras does not have Gundars. Gundars does not have a. Uh, Nickname on, on on basketball reference played for the Minnesota Timberwolves at the age of twenty five. Um, now this is interesting. He I'll, I'll shut up here in a second. He attempted three three pointers in his career and made all three of them. So a one hundred percent career three point shooter. What I'm learning here today is that you and Davis Bertans are going to have a lot to talk about and your passion for <laughs> Latvian basketball. <laughs> He's going to be absolutely stunned when I say some of these names. So, man, uh, when he averaged three threes a game. That, <laughs> then I'll have to tell them that I forgot that Kristaps Porzingis was uh, also from Latvia. Anyways, <laughs> we... Then we can all try to find it on a map and really look like idiots. Oh, yeah. No, I, I couldn't do that at all. <laughs> but anyways, Joe, thanks for coming on with me. Thank you to uh, all of our listeners for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Maybe remember to rate like subscribe five stars on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts at thunder bud pod on twitter and we'll be back again on friday for more thunder talk